Panoply, Panorama, Panpipe, Pansy, Aha, Pansexual, Knowing No Boundaries of Sex or Gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM digital three CR dot org dot AU. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Thanks to the crew from Out of the Blue, diving deep for the marine news, as they always do um, every Sunday from eleven thirty till noon. Um, and um, of course, Out of the Pan um, and three CR broadcast proudly from the lands of the original inhabitants, paying respects to elders past and present and acknowledging our LGBTI Indigenous elders, including sister girls and brother boys, for their unique contributions to diversity and intersectionality on and around our land. Welcome to listeners of all genders, including but not limited to ladies and gentlemen. There's lots of ways you can get in touch with um, the program, and some of them are... You can um, look for me on Facebook. Look for Out of the Pans page on Facebook. You can do the thing that apparently no one really does anymore, but I still mention in case someone does. That's called email out of the pan eight five five at gmail dot com. You can text six one four zero one zero seven eight nine eight one, and you can tweet at Sal Gold said so. And that's the bottom line. And on the show today at about half past 12, catching up with Dr. Daniel Marshall, talking about a couple of fabulous events that are coming up called Queer Generations. Um, one's happening in Melbourne this Tuesday um, at 6pm in at um, 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 the Australian Research Centre in Sex, Health and Society at La Trobe. And then there's another one um, Wednesday the 28th at the Schuller Studio, corner of Bain and Lucan Streets, Bendigo. Hello to all our listeners up in Bendigo who... Um, and surrounds who enjoy the program. Um, well, busy week, all happening. Um, have a look at one of the news articles that's um, happening. Um, that's been happening in a minute. Um, but unfortunately, I want to say unfortunately, we have to unfortunately start with a show of support, and that's to Community Radio over at Joy ninety four point nine, who sadly was subjected to a bomb threat um, earlier in the week. And that's just not on. 3CR feels feels you. We, of course, had right-wing knuckleheads um, get their way into this station under false pretenses about um, 10, 11 months ago now. Um, just seems that um, there is um, a dangerous trend. Is that a dangerous trend or is it two isolated incidents? I don't care. It was interesting to note that the um, the so-called Australian newspaper, or the Australian SICK, um, which has been going on about how there needs to be respectful debate in the in, a, in the marriage debate on both sides. Didn't even report on the bomb the bomb issue. Hmm. Anyway, as a friend of mine says, um, so yeah, lots happening. Um, there's also been um, some good um, other stories that have come along, and want to have a look at them. A great article in today's Age um, Tree Copy 
by Farah Thomason on the birth certificate debate. Um, well done to Farah for just going through what it needs to do. And um, the sort of sub-headline, the, it's on page 28 of the tree version. Um, and if you look for the um, first paragraph, what is it about the equality debate that causes some of our elected parliamentarians to say the most dangerous things? Um, and it goes on and, you know, really um, critically analyses some of the um, nonsense that the Liberal and um, I, that the Liberals and Nationals put out when they decided to vote en masse against the much-needed birth certificate reforms in Victoria. Um, well, um, yeah, so a good one from Farah Thomason. I think it goes through the issues. We discussed them on the show a couple of weeks ago that, you know, to push people through surgeries they don't need is not on. I think most trans and gender diverse people know them well, but we'll say them again. Might be a first time, in the immortal words of what was it, uh, um, The Simpsons? Might be a first time, listen, um, long time listener, first time caller, or something like that, or a first time listener. Anyway, um, what, why do we need birth certificates that reflect who we are? Well, and to get them without surgery because not everyone wants or needs surgery or can afford it. Um, young people need it if they're going for holiday jobs, which is their right. Um, we shouldn't have to divorce to get a birth certificate that reflects who we truly are. The reality is there are more than two options and the nonsense ideas that have been put up against the birth certificate reforms are quite extraordinary um, and um, and really need to be you know put up you know this the fear-mongering I've been around has um, well could be the could be guessed for some time and also you know sort of um, looked at um, you know seen a lot of um, um, you know, sort of, um, um, I've seen a lot of things happen. Um, and I've got to say that when Victoria went through um, adding gender identity and sexual orientation to state law in 2000, it was one or two maverick independents who were putting up some of the more extreme arguments. The fact that the Liberals and Nationals put them up is quite disturbing. But it raises the point that probably every time, and someone who was involved in New South Wales birth certificate reforms in '96, and I'm no doubt if I went back and looked at that funny old thing called microfiche, um, someone would um, tell me that in 1984, probably when South Australia, the first um, area in Australia to put some sort of trans-friendly law reform through, it's the same old thing about the sky's going to fall in and there's going to be risks. And in 32 years, has it ever happened? No. And Farah quite rightly points that out in her article. So, yeah, lots of good reasons to do birth certificates, no reason not to, and uh, hashtag get it done. We should know the next steps in about the second week of October when the upper state, upper house, the Legislative Council, um, comes back from a, um, in the words of um, Tony Cozy when he used to do cricket commentary, um, a short break, and then we'll be back with Richie, the late Richie Benno or something. Um, and I've had a couple of texts come in. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the it is our roving reporter who said, "Glad to see you have moved over to a more professional station that doesn't allow Ms. bigots like Ms. Hansen at Joy FM." Um, and the thing that happened this week is um, Joy ninety four point nine interviewed Pauline Hansen, which you know it sounds all very nice and aren't they clever and big that they can get her on? But what will it achieve? Is my opinion. And um, Roving then goes on to say, what do you think of the hate crime at Joy? And then says, um, 
Um, reasonably enough, why do they give Ms Hanson a voice following the week at the station? Doesn't ex- that exasperate the hate? Yes, an interesting scenario, isn't it? Um, I don't have an answer to that. You'd have to ask Joy Management that. I mean, I think that individual freedom is all very well, but, you know, and people say, oh, if you put, why don't some of these right-wing types like Pauline Hanson, the Christian lobby, ever get put under the griller? Well, are they really going to answer anyway? I don't really know. So, I wonder what it really achieves. So anyway, um, all you know. And as I say, that's one for joy management. I can't explain their policy decisions. That's up to them, um, or whoever's running the program. And probably knowing a few joy presenters, past and present, we're probably trying to do a bit of a an ego trip. Um, anyway, lots of good people at joy, but there's some who, well, hmm, yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. Um, now the other um, issue that I want to have a chat about, which come has been covered in the in the news section of the paper today, has uh, is the issue of the religious exemptions at a state level. Um, the ALPs introduced some amendments to make um, things fairer, to change things. In my opinion, sorry, make things fairer. Have a discussion of that after the break, and then about halfway through the show, have Dr. Daniel Marshall in to talk about the queer generations events that are coming up um, this week um, opened up today musically well um, sometimes I wonder um, in the words of Bob Dylan as sung by lead vocal Gary Scruggs of the Earl Scruggs Review with the late great Earl Scruggs on banjo we opened up with I Shall Be Released sometimes well not a bad idea um, we do want to um, in the words of Don Henley how do we get out of here where do we fit in or something like that um, but in the meantime um, Joe, let's go over to um, Don Henley's um, um, comrade in the Eagles and Joe Walsh on lead vocals for the Eagles and from the Hell Freezes Over album track originally on the Long Run album, In the City, 3CR, 855am digital, 3cr.org.au, Out of the Pan with Sally. The Victorian Government LGBTI Community Grants Program has been established to foster the development of a sustainable and skilled LGBTI community sector in Victoria. The grants program consists of two funding streams, one for individual leaders and the other for organisations. The expression of interest process is now open. Please go to www.vic.gov.au forward slash equality for more information. A 3CR supporter. Listen to Hillbilly Fever every Saturday night from 11pm to 2am for classic country artists like Hank Williams, Moo Mullican, Lefty Vazell, Hank Snow and many more. Remember, Hillbilly Fever every Saturday night from 11pm only on 3CR. And do it all Three CR eight five five AM three CR dot org dot AU and on demand. Out of the pan with Sally. First broadcasting on a Sunday afternoon. And thanks for tuning in. Um, prior to the messages, we heard from the Eagles with Joe Walsh on lead vocals in the city from the Hell Freezes Over comeback album. Of course, um, sadly no more now with Glenn Fry's passing. The Eagles will not be um, touring again and have officially disbanded and unfortunately hell will freeze over um, until um, well we hope it never happens that um, 
um, you know, sort of um, we get more to heaven. Um, and roving reporters come back again and said that maybe I should play ego is not a dirty word. Um, yes, we could dedicate that to a few right-wingers. Well, um, good article in Today's Age again, Sunday Age. Um, well, there's lots of good articles, and of course a lot of them are about the Bulldogs winning, but that's in both papers, to be fair. Um, go, um, go underdogs. Um, but Farah Thomason strikes again. Um, and this is about um, the issue of religious exemptions that hit GLBTI and other groups in both state and federal law and the state Labor government, which tried to do things in 2010 and then before the laws came into effect, had things reversed, um, now giving it another shot. Um, and this is a story about Sally Beatty, who I've got to say is a, someone I know um, and is a fab person, and her partner Jen Ray and their daughter Vivian. Um, Sally Beatty um, tried to work for the Catholic Education Office, um, the organisation that runs 331 Catholic schools in Melbourne, um, and she liked her job, but unfortunately being a lesbian didn't fit the religious ethos. Although why, if you're not even, you know, if you're just in an office, I don't know what the exact role was, it doesn't seem like it was relevant. And she became pregnant um, through IVF with her partner, but miscarried, and then she decided to leave because then people would have asked questions and she probably would have been outed and fired and all the rest. And many others um, have experienced this. And um, now, should the law change? Well, you know, it's the old story of if you're the gardener in the religious school does it really matter if you're gay or lesbian? Um, all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's going to be an inherent requirement test. So one would say that, you know, if you're wanting to teach religion in a religious school that has certain religious beliefs, then, yeah, do. You could probably be exempt from that. Um, all that sort of thing. Um, but, um, of course, the minority of religion that tries to claim to speak for religion um, says that it's an attack on religious freedom. Well, I'm no biblical scholar, but I just can't quite remember if it was Deuteronomy or um, Exodus that talked about um, you, thou shalt have a right to government funding, or maybe it wasn't either of them. Anyway, um, and, um, you know, sort of um, the the religious exemptions, you know, really are too broad, particularly if you're getting taxpayer funded. If you, you know, and then that you have to have more taxpayer funding to undo the damage of the discrimination that someone like Sally experienced. So, um, you know, sort of, and then the last paragraph here, um, Rebecca used to work for a Christian welfare organisation until her manager suspected she was in a same-sex relationship. Quote, I was told I would, that if I didn't resign, I'd be fired. The fallout was devastating. I lost everything, my vocation, faith, community, and had to rebuild myself from a very broken place. And I certainly think at least there needs to be transparency on which religious organisations can discriminate in terms of employment and provision of goods and services. It is simply not adequate that, they, um, you know, you could say put in a job application, go for an interview, and then somehow it emerges that your GLVTI or single parent, oh, we're not going to employ you. You know, why would you waste your time writing out the job application if you knew that was their attitude? And it's also not fair on those religious organisations that don't want to discriminate, that they're sort of lumped in in a way. Um, surely we can do better than that as well. So, yep, lots of reasons to do it. There's a bit of argy-bargy going on between the Labor, Labor and the Greens. The Greens saying that the Labor amendments don't go far enough. Um, not sure about, you know, you can debate that one all day, but it's a start. But... Um, Let's see what happens um, if we can get things um, remedied.
All right. Um, so um, let's have some more music. And, well, I think it's a reasonably appropriate song that we're going to hear from the Hoodoo Gurus to talk about the Queer Generations um, events that are coming up this week. Um, Daniel Marshall is ready to rock in the studio, but let's have a track from the Hoodoo Gurus to get us underway into the, as we move into that segment. 3CR, 855 AM digital, 3cr.org.au, and on demand, out of the pan with Sally. 3CR, 855 AM digital, 3cr.org.au, thanks for, and on demand, thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan, covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. We just heard from the Hoodoo Gurus and the Generation Gap. Um, that was off the Electric Soup compilation of 1992. There's been a few Hoodoo Gurus compilations and live albums of various sorts. And that track, I think, was probably a bit underrated at the time. It was released just as good as anything they've done. Well, is is there a generation gap? I don't really know, but um, is, it a, is it a gap that can be reconciled? These are questions where we might start getting answers um, this week on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, and um, to joining me in the studio to talk about them is the fabulous Dr. Daniel Marshall. Daniel, welcome to 3CR. G'day, Sally. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure because um, this is something that I think we do need to um, talk about and um, you know there's um, a couple of events that go right to is there a generation gap queer generations growing up queer in the 90s and now um, to interactive panel discussions Melbourne and Bendigo this week where what, what was the idea behind this was there a sort of light bulb moment we said hmm we should have some interactive panels on the <laughs> 90s and now was there anything that came to mind well who doesn't love an interactive panel I mean um, you know I was born in 1976 in Mount Gambier, and so you know I was uh, you know a teenager in the 90s, and it, it might come as a shock to your listeners to uh, be told that Mount Gambier didn't have a lot in terms of you know cultural options for uh, queer teenagers like myself. Um, you know I remember going to the news agency on the main street and um, looking longingly at the magazine racks, and I remember I would buy. The Attitude magazine, that might be familiar to some of your listeners. Mm -hmm. um, And I remember buying that because I thought that it was less queer than some of the other titles there. And so I wasn't going to be outing myself to the newsagent who was selling me the magazine. And I look back on that and I think, well, I wasn't a very sharp teenager because when you look at The Attitude now, it's a pretty gay magazine. (laughs) But, you know... There wasn't a lot going on in Matt Gambia. I remember when Priscilla came to town. You know, Matt Gambia was a city that didn't even have a um, full-time cinema, right? Okay. So, <laughs> so um, and, this, and, and so when Priscilla came to town, I was working as a timber stacker at the time after year 12, and I remember going to see the movie by myself. And as lots of people have talked about, you know, it really had mm-hmm. a profound effect, you know, yeah. seeing Australian queer lives on screen. Um, And so I think one of the um, inspirations behind talking about growing up queer is the idea that a lot has changed over quite a short period of time Mm. and how we can talk about that. Um, And I guess what's also important about that is thinking about the differences in terms of growing up, you know, in the city as opposed to the country. Yeah. Yeah, that struck me as well as as I was thinking about this this morning, you know. but, yeah, um, t- totally. Well, I mean, to go back, it, t- it seems like it was only, say, late 2000s that most of the 
groups marching in Pride March were, let's say, in a Melbourne, let alone out of Metro. And a couple of years ago, it struck me, wow, there's queer groups from Gippsland and Bendigo and Shepparton and all the rest, which is fabulous. But, you know, it wasn't until much later, yeah. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, um, um, I love... Uh, you know the gay pop music of the eighties. You know, as a as a as a queer boy in the eighties, and you know, small town boy is such a profound song because it sort of sings about that kind of mm. queer diaspora, which I think is really familiar to lots of people who grew up outside of places like Melbourne and Sydney and Perth. And you know, growing up in Mount Gambier, the option was really well, you have to leave. You know, um, mm. um, and I I don't think that's necessarily the same now we're not in the same way as it was then and so so i think um that's one of the things we want to have a conversation about um after i left timber stacking and went to adelaide to start uni there of course there were lots of different other types of things that i did um in adelaide that sort of helped me to find a queer cultural life um i think uh i think about things like the pride club uh at uni which was really important yes um I was listening to your show before and you talk about how people don't really email anymore. Um, well, I remember at the in the Pride Club at Adelaide Uni, we had a, a message book. And that's how we would write messages to each other. Yeah. Um, this is sort of like the, you know, last century's version of Facebook. It was like a, a, re- <laughs> a real message book. And so um, things have obviously changed a lot from, you know, socialising uh, – with uh, pen and paper to kind yep. of keep in contact with each other. Um, and now we have all of these other kind of technologies which have tr- really changed things. So um, uh, we want to talk about some of those experiences that people had in the 90s in terms of the groups that they joined and the stuff that they did and how that was a, p- a way that they found people, that we found um, people to date, people to befriend, and how that might be different to today. Um, y- you know, Adelaide... Adelaide was kind of like a, a, a good city to move to uh, from Mount Gambia because it wasn't as big as Melbourne or Sydney. Mm. Even though when I moved to Adelaide, I didn't know how to use a public transport system. So, <laughs> so I was studying at Flinders Uni and um, I, would, uh, uh, I needed to buy clothes. And so I started buying clothes from the Flinders Uni shop and everything had Flinders Uni logo on it because I couldn't figure out how to use the bus system. But then I had to teach myself pretty quickly. <laughs> but Adelaide, is, as your listeners will know, has, you know, it's got like the Mars bar. You know, yep. when I was there, it had like the Mars bar, Beans bar and the gay pub. Um, so heading out to those places provided a particular type of community that you engaged with. You know, you'd see often a lot of the same people. That's how you'd make your friends. Often they'd play, you know, music that you knew. Like they were, at the Mars Bar, they would play this one Kylie mega mix that, and you could sing along as they, as they mixed between <laughs> the songs. Um, but I think people's experiences today are quite different of how they meet people because of the changes in technology as well as other things. Well, look, yeah, the technology things made a difference. You know, you mentioned Mount Gambier only had a part-time cinema. Well, of course, early 90s, and you know, and for people under, say, about 20 or 25, you might have to sit down and take a deep breath, but there was a time before we had even any internet. You may have heard of this funny thing under 25s, and I'm saying this with tongue wedge firmly in cheek. There's this thing called dial-up. Have you ever heard of that? You know, all that sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, of course, it has shifted, and, you know, now we hear, um, you know, that, a lot of the, I'll say, predominantly cis gay male venues in the old commercial road strip are just about all but gone because we've got this thing called Grinder. It's, it's a thing called an app, you know, and you connect that way. And, of course, there's amazing stories. Um, my colleague James McKenzie on In Your Face on Friday Afternoons told the story once of someone on Grinder 
and he connected with somebody he hadn't seen before, and this guy was literally metres away. It was turned out it was his housemate who just moved in. But these are the things that are changing on how we meet and how we connect. We've got this technology thing, but we can't remember that our older LGBTI seniors who may be less internet and social media proficient um, may have trouble accessing some of these things. So I think we have to be wary of that for a while yet, um, all generation gap jokes aside. I mean, I remember, um, you know, when I was a teenager that in the newspapers um, that have um, uh, gay and lesbian classifieds on phone numbers that, That's right. you know, you could ring, you know, and talk to a, you know, a real life, you know, gay and lesbian person or something. But they were like sex lines, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, and the the, the paucity of um, uh, information or representation of queer Mm. Uh, people or characters in popular culture, in newspapers, on television, um, etc. Then, uh, compared to now, I think is striking. Um, but one of the interesting questions is, well, what difference does it make? You know, I mean, um, we can look at some of the contemporary debates that are swirling around, and, and you couldn't say that it's it, it's consistent with uh, you know an expansion in peace, love, and harmony everywhere. Oh, you know, gosh, no. so. So it's a complicated question, isn't it? Um, I mean, I remember, you know, in the 90s doing queer student radio in Adelaide. And I remember, you know, we would talk about things like the gay character on Dawson's Creek, right? You know, mm. and so who talks about the gay character on the show and TV now? Because, you know, it, it's proliferated, you know, to such an extent that it's that it's changed how we have a conversation. Yeah, well, also it's 20 years. I, th- I did see a piece in the Daily Review in Crikey this week. Um, it's 20 years since Will and Grace premiered. And although, yes, it was, you know, it could be being considered a tad um, bland or middle America, you know, you've got to remember in 1996 that was a start. And now we have lots of gay characters anywhere. We are increasingly seeing trans characters. Um you know, by characters, probably still room for improvement in numbers, in or improvement in numbers and also the quality of representation, but I think it's beginning to get there. Um, but um, also we need, I suppose, more non-binary, um, trans character, non-binary gender diverse type of characters. Probably a few more trans men wouldn't hurt. And who knows? I'd love to see one day maybe an inter- a person who experiences intersex as a character on TV. So we've still got distance to travel and um, polyamory maybe. maybe. Let's have something like that portrayed sensibly um, on an ongoing TV show as well. Um, so there's still room, for, obviously, there's always distance to travel, but we do have mass media now that is so much more accessible that makes a difference mm. and breaks things down. So, um, yeah, there are those differences. And, I mean, I always talk I as an educator and I do my bit of my life story and I say, you know, so... Four years old, 1970, you know, first day at school, all boys school, and you feel a bit different. You couldn't go and type anything into a search engine because there weren't any in 1970. And if you sent a telegram, I'm not sure if you would have got a response, and I don't know who to send it to anyway. But, yeah, it has shifted. So there's there's some of the things um, that, you know, come up, you know, technology and who can access it. Um, And, of course, that gets into issues maybe of um, income and wealth too um, to some extent. But, um, yeah, certainly there is that issue out there of, of the differences. So um, you're one of the speakers in this. That's why you're here. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, you know, as it says, you grew up in southeast Australia. Um, 
and as you said, Timber Stacker um, Uni, and then you then you come over to Melbourne. Now, there's something after Mount Gambier and Adelaide. I suppose we let's just have a quick chat about that. Um, what was that? You know, what was that like to come from? Well, the part-time cinema to Adelaide, and then to the we'll say the slightly bigger smoke again. Well, it, I mean, it was challenging, and one of the, the the aspects that was one of the one of the things that was challenging about it was that I had lots of friends in Adelaide. You know, you know, went out to the Mars Bar a lot, worked in the student union there, and as a sexuality officer, had a had a you know a network of friends, and coming to a bigger city that wasn't there. Um, but I came here to do a PhD and to do more work on gender and sexuality. And, mm. and and coming to Melbourne was great because it also meant that I could discover the amazing Australian Lesbian and Gay Archives, where I <laughs> became a volunteer um, for a long time. And it has you know this incredible uh, historical collection of queer materials, LGBTQ materials in, in, in Australia. And um, I think the historical perspective from that archive really drives a lot of the questions that we want to ask you know mm. for you know 40 years ago the gay teachers and students group uh, in melbourne were asking um what we needed to do to be able to draw attention to the fact that queer young people were here and and were in schools and were um uh getting on without much information or support and so they produced young gay and proud um and at a time when there are people today who still want to say that queer young people might not exist. Um, what we have now that they didn't have 40 years ago is this 40 years of history. Mm. And part of that is telling our stories about how we grew up yep. and what our experience was. Uh, and, you know, the Smiths sing about the songs that saved your life, you know. And so we look back on, you know, when I look back on my experience growing up in the 90s and I can think about, you know, that the first Suede album, and how nervous I was going and buying that CD copy at Disco Records and Tapes to Make Gambia because it had that amazing, vivid cover of two androgynous figures kissing on it. But, you know, that album really changed my life. And so that's part of what we want to talk about as well. You know, what gets you through? What helps, what's helped us to get a sense of meaning in terms of being queer people in the world? Yeah, and it'd be, it'd be very interesting to see how that um, um, you know, sort of um, kicks in in terms of, inter- of generational stuff because... Um, you know um, what? What what could work? I mean, as someone who goes and does aging and aged care training, I play a clip of the and uh, my other co trainers. We play a clip of the fabulous Dorothy McRae McMahon, who you know, born in nineteen thirty four. So where are we now? Eighty two. Um, you know, does so much great work in the Uniting Church. But there's a line that sticks in my head, having heard the clip a few times, where she says, "Well, in my day, no one heard the word homosexual. Where did you connect? What could you have connected with? It must have been incredibly." Hard. I mean, I remember when I, you know, was starting to investigate gender in 1995. There was nothing in libraries anywhere, even in Melbourne Uni Library or something. And I, you know, crashed my way through shelves left, right, and centre trying to find stuff. So, um, you know, um, um, you know, um, with with it, with their songs yeah. that you had. That I mean, that's a point. I think that you know, yeah. we go to libraries and often they let us down. And I think that's why you know, popular culture steps in because it can offer us some resources. And I think about you know, I mean, Kate Bush's Babushka film clip that really changed my life. I think seeing that you know, as as a young boy, um, are there songs that 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 really have a strong attachment to you when you think back? There probably wasn't a lot of queer stuff, to be honest. Um, I. 
was probably still in deep denial in the early 80s and I was also, as the, as the 11 and a half year tortured listeners of Out of the Pan know I'm a bit of a classic Australian rock fan and I was a bit sort of a bit annoyed at how the 80s developed not because of the fact that you know people like Boy George and Culture Club and others emerged it was this denigration of the rock it's like why wasn't there room for all of it so I was a bit pissed off at the time but probably if there was a song that maybe began an awakening um and a whole album of course was KD Lang's Ingenue 1992 I remember playing that um on one of those big silver iTunes called a CD for three weeks non-stop <laughs> um you know and I think maybe that began to wake me up even though I don't identify as lesbian it was sort of like it was some little tenuous connection deep down to bi and trans for me yeah um so yeah um there is something powerful about music and how it can bring yeah. audiences together. And um, mm. I remember going to an Annie DeFranco concert in, in the 90s with um, a group of friends and how that just sort of um, binds people together and, 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 and builds these friendship groups around like these shared affinities I think is really interesting. Yeah, well, look, it's interesting. One of our, our um, text correspondent, um, roving reporter, has said that my generation has um, specific queer niche groups now, e.g. queer law students, and that's a fair call. There's all sorts of groups now, and they've never gone to a club or commercial road. Um, yes, um, some vague, bleary-eyed memories of coming out of Three Faces at 5.30 over here, but no, <laughs> totally with you, Roving. Um, well, probably safer and healthier that you don't, but, um, you know, look, it's a fair call that um, this was what we had. So I think these are conversations that are worth having. And um, we've had someone comment on Twitter, um, and not just anyone, I should hasten to add, the fabulous... Um, Linda has commented, uh, sorry, not on Twitter, I should say on Facebook, if I can um, get my computer to do the right thing, which it has. And Linda said a colleague, Wayne Murdoch, has wrote a really interesting history patch on how queer culture was facilitated in the early 20th century by the advent of telephones, cars and boarding houses. Fascinating to consider how technology has made a difference. So, yeah, it all adds up. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, mate, let's have a bit of a, a breather. Let's just catch our breath in here. Um, well, whatever generation you're from, maybe Stephen Cummings from the New Kind of Blue album had something to say about it. A life is a life. 3CR, 855 AM digital, 3cr.org.au and on demand, out of the pan with Sally. Yeah. 3CR, always bringing you the latest union news. They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out to sham contracting arrangements. On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. On Sunday, the 9th of October, 3CR opens its doors to the community and invites you to come in and celebrate 40 years of radical radio. There'll be an awesome afternoon tea, roving musicians, special on-air broadcasts, and the opportunity to step into the studio and get behind the mic. There'll also be face painting for the kids, stalls, rolling station tours, and the chance to purchase, for the first time, 3CR 40th birthday t-shirt. 
come in and enjoy your community radio station. 3CR, open day, 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Sunday the 9th of October, 12 to 4pm. See you all there. Great event coming up in two weeks from today. Um, I'll be in here. You can find out why this is a face for radio on um, Out of the Pan, 3CR 855 AM, digital3cr.org.au and on demand. And I've got to hand it to my guest Daniel, who will um, wrap up the conversation with in a second. But um, when we got to 40 years of radical radio, the fist pumped without prompting. Yes, you're the man, Dan. <laughs> um <laughs> And um, also, yes, I can't, I can't help it. Every time I hear the backing music for that track, I, I get in touch with my Jewish um, generational roots. All very klezmer. <laughs> all right. Um, we've got just um, before we get back to um, wrapping up the conversation with Daniel, um, events that are coming up. Um, the FTM Shed for Trans Men is meeting this afternoon, transshedboys.com for more information. Um, keep up the good work, um, Andrew and crew um, down there. Polyvic for people into multiple ethical relationships. Um, the um, social is on this Sunday afternoon. Check out polyvic.org.au. Um, and, of course, um, it's a big bye week. We've had a big bye week and weekend because um, Friday the 23rd, Celebrate Bisexuality Day. Um, it's great to see so many people turn up um, at our... Venue, but we forgot about the fact that they were broadcasting the preliminary final and our conversations got drowned out. But um, also a bit of a picnic yesterday, which I couldn't get to due to trans family. Um, but um, lots of buy stuff happening. And the regular discussion group to round off a big 10 days is this coming Tuesday back at the Great Northern. And as far as I know, there's no football on Tuesday, so we'll be fine. Um, and Bent TV this Friday, um, and another part on the episode just gone of the interview with the fabulous Sally Conning. Um, so check out Bent TV and Gender Queer Australia um, on next Saturday. So it's busy times as we head into um, the um, as we spring into spring past the equinox. So Daniel, this the conversations that you're having, um, and we'll give the naturally the details once again in a second. I've put them on Facebook and. Um, under both out of the pans posting and my own, but um, who's in? Who else is in the conversations apart from your good self? And um, when are they happening? And it does all serve a purpose. There's some research. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Sally. Um, so we're going to kick on with these conversations at these events on Tuesday and Wednesday. So Tuesday in Melbourne at Arches, and Wednesday in Bendigo, um, and. Uh, Rowena Allen, the Commissioner for Gender and Sexuality, will be coming along and um, uh, talking about, uh, you know, her experience of the 90s and now and how, you know, she grew up to become the uh, uh, Commissioner for Gender and Sexuality. And um, Mary Lou Rasmussen, um, a colleague of mine Mm -hmm. who's now at ANU, she's a professor in sociology, she's going to come along and talk as well. Um, And at Bendigo, we're really excited to have Jess Panzel, who's the president of the Tribunis um, LGBTIQ club up there, who's going to come and talk as well. So we're very excited about these two events, both at six o'clock on on each night. Um, uh, Tuesday night, it's at 215 Franklin Street at Arches. And Wednesday, it's at the Shuller Studio, as as Sally said, on the corner of Bain and Lucan Streets. And there'll be um, some catering at each and it's free. And we'd really love to people to come and have a chat. 
So yeah, interactive um, chat and free food, um, both in Melbourne and Bendigo. And of course, the three speakers, Row, Alan, well, I mean, what can you um, say about Row, Alan, that hasn't been said before? She played cricket for Australia. No, no. <laughs> well, you can't say that because she hasn't done it. But seriously, of course, so much great work, particularly up in Shepparton, which is um, rocketing along. Mary Lou Rasmussen, I love this bio, came out in the 90s several times because once is never enough. And she spent half of her 20s living as a lesbian in rural Idaho. A lesbian avenger. Avenger, yes. yes. Not all lesbians are avengers, but she was for a while. She was. Um, and she's lived in Adelaide, the Bellarine Peninsula, Melbourne and in Canberra. And she's a great research colleague of yours. And, um, yeah, Jess, Jess Pansel, um, the Rainbow Eagles is L, um, La Trobe Uni's Bendigo LGBTIQ mm. club, a past minus 18 crew member and queer activist. So we've got a great range of perspectives there. Um, mm. for, but the two events, Jess, of course, only up at, the, up at the Bendigo one. But that's I think it's really important that we start considering the diversity and diversity, such as regional and rural vis-a-vis metro and all the rest, so, and it's going to be all for some research. Uh, that's right. Research, research, yeah. research. Yeah. So, so if you're interested in having a conversation and joining the research project, then um, we're looking for people who are LGBTIQ, who were born in the 70s or born in the 90s, who grew up in Melbourne um, or rural Victoria or in other parts of Australia as well. There's more details on our website. You can find out information at queergenerations.org if you're interested in joining the research, or you can email me at daniel.marshall at deacon.edu.au. Thanks, Sally. Awesome. We'd better get out of here and make way for freedom of species. Perfectly timed. You should be on radio. But um, with that with that ending, um, got to be diverse today. Um, there's really no guessing for which Angels track we're going to go out with. Um, one of their later ones in honour of the AFL. Dogs are talking. They are, <laughs> you've got to hand it to the, the doggies. They've made it to the grand final. I think a lot of Melbourne... Based AFL supporters, I'm not hugely interested, but I think everyone's got that soft spot for them. And, of course, the dog supporters. Um, you know, it was interesting to hear people say this morning, oh, I was, I'm not ashamed to say I had a few tears. And it's like, well, don't have to be ashamed <laughs> on any level, including gender, of course. Um, so we'll take it out with um, the late Doc Neeson um, up front for the Angels on Dogs are talking. Daniel, thanks for coming in. All the best for the forums. Um, if they're gonna, I, oh, they're very quickly. They're going to be recorded, do you know? Not sure. I don't think so. Oh, um, we'll damn, see. Damn it. Or at least let's get a report back if we can from you and I'll play, um, talk about that in future weeks. But better get out of here and make way for freedom of species. Um, thanks, Daniel. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan, listeners of all genders. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch ya. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.